Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Thank you for downloading the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. This is Series 1, Episode 22. I finally got my snakehead. It was about uh, two weeks ago now? Three weeks, maybe? I'll go two. Uh, sitting home, I had uh, Thursday off. So I was with uh, the pregnant wife, uh, dad now, which is why I'm whispering. Uh, because baby and mom are sleeping upstairs. So uh, the wife was at home working, and I'm sitting here at my computer answering emails, updating the website, booking clients, Twitter, Facebook, all the other social media stuff I do when I have time, and uh, get an email from the Tidal Potomac Fly Rotters, which uh, you know, is tpfr.org. It's our local Federation of Fly Fishing Club, and uh, we have a listserv. Uh, it's through Google. Get a, an update that uh, Trent and John were just down at the tidal basin, and due to the recent floods in the Potomac, the water had gone over the banks of the tidal basin, um, you know, about a foot and a half deep, and about 20 feet back onto the sidewalk and the carport in there, and they were eating flies uh, voraciously. They said they were catching them on 
rubber-legged beadhead stones. It's maybe 1.32 in the afternoon. I've done all my emails, I've booked my clients, I've answered all the voicemails I've got, so uh, you know, my wife's plugging away. I'm pretty much done for the day, so I look at her through the door right here from the office, and uh, I'm like, hey lady, can, uh, can I go play? And she's like, did you do your work? And I'm like, yes ma'am. She's like, all right, you can go play. So uh, about six feet to my left, I got my tying table, and I didn't really have any rubber-leggedy stoneflies sitting around. So I uh, sat down, found some dubbing that uh, a friend left here one night, and put that on a size 10 hook, dubbed it on, tied some rubber legs in the tail, had a nice silvery bead on top, and some rubber legs coming out of the thorax slash head area. Tied about three of those. I called them like 20-second nymphs because it only took about... Know, 20 seconds to tie each one put those in the shirt pocket of my casting shirt and uh, threw my gear bag in the back of my car and took off and I get to the tidal basin and um, you know based on the photos these guys posted I knew exactly where they were gonna be where these fish were caught get to the bridge and first thing I notice is there's freaking snake heads just lazily just finning around underneath me they're just coming up, breathing, going along the surface. There's even one sitting on the flooded sidewalk, just hanging out. I think it was like 28 inches, just literally just chilling where I normally stand and fish when the tide changes. So um, I look across the tidal basin towards Jefferson, and I can see the water splashing. I'm like, all right, that's, that's where the carp are. So uh, I'm on the bridge, I rig up, I take uh, my scorpion bug as a big foam popper, hopefully a snakehead will eat that, and then I take about five feet of eight pound cigar fluoro, and I tie on my nymph. And I go over there, um, Park Service has the gate or fence, bike rail, whatever you call it, guardrail thing closed off on that section because it's underwater, they don't want tours walking through there. So I gingerly just kind of sneak through, and um, you know, there's like there's carp everywhere. They're huge, um, you know, like 28, 30 inch orange carp. You've got traffic cone orange koi goldfish. You've got white and black ones, orange and black swimming around. There's needlefish, there's gar, and there's snakeheads. All of these fish are in the knee deep water that has come up over the seawall and I start casting out and about like five or six minutes I get a channel catfish about 18 inches and have some tourists walking by photographing with it one of them must have been a you know closet photographer or something he didn't tell me because he got a really cool shot of me holding the fish with the Washington Monument in focus in the background which was pretty cool photograph for just some random dude walking by so uh, I keep fishing, and you know I'm, I'm just dead drifting this nymph underneath my scorpion bug, and all of a sudden the scorpion bug goes down. So I set the hook, and man, that line peels off. I couldn't tell you the last time line came off my reel like that. It was a classic. So you can see the line going straight out across the tidal basin towards the FDR monument, and before long, my backing comes out. You see the bimini twist orange backing goes through the guides and out the tip top and it's gone after about a five or six minute fight um, I finally get in a, a carp about 18 inches that was hooked in the tail so 
all the tourists walking by were just like ecstatic applauding me and i'm like guys this fish thanks for the applause it doesn't count this this fish was foul hooked but i guess they're not anglers they don't understand uh i guess some of the ethics involved in fly fishing that you gotta have a fair fish you know catch that's gotta be in the mouth the fish had to have gone for it doesn't count if it's in the the tail or in the back whatever so um they all take pictures with it um they all took pictures of me with it and let that fish go on its way and uh, start walking a little bit down. Now I've been fishing maybe about 40 minutes. Um, and there's just carp like literally swimming into my feet, going between my legs, bumping into my wellies. Um, the water's deeper than I thought. I actually filled up my wellies. Um, and then, uh, you know, I'm casting out that line and just kind of dead drifting it, stripping it in like minuscule amounts at a time. And the foam bug goes down, and I set the hook, and man, that water, and granted, I gotta be quiet now, because there's baby sleeping upstairs, but man, that water freaking erupted, that fish, I was like, is this a gar, is it a snakehead, is it a 30 inch carp, it tugs on my six weight, and that line starts peeling off, and the first thing I think is, this fish, whatever it is, is going out into the main tidal basin where that carp was and I already knew that a carp out there is just going to peel line off and it's going to be an exhausting fight so um, I'm using 8 pound and I start backing up I pull this fish up over the seawall and it's going laterally now left and right along the seawall rather than straight out uh, at some point I don't know what I realized I got a snake head on and it's not foul hooked because the head is visibly shaking right in front of me left and right and you can go to YouTube on my website com, and you can check out the whole fight so now I've got this thing the hook is set in that jawbone I've got that rod bent and uh, I see tourists walking by so I shout over to them you know, I holler them, wave them out say hey man come here, come here, come here, come here take my video camera, I pull it out of my pocket on my cargo pants and uh I turn it on and just start filming before I even like hand it to him and he grabs it and he's like is it filming I'm like oh dude it better be filming it's on it's on trust me so uh, he starts filming and I've got this fish up now on a sidewalk it is just thrashing it is kicking up foam it is that tail is just going left to right just frothing up that water and eventually I just keep backing up I'm not giving this fish any room this is my first snakehead on a fly. I've got adrenaline coursing through my veins. I am on like cloud nine. I am high on life. Get this fish, and I just start slowly backing up into the gap between the trees. And I finally get the fish into the shallows, or it's like ankle deep. The snakehead's back is sticking out of the water. And then uh, I go to grab it by the tail because I don't have my net with me and the damn thing takes off again and since I was bending down to grab the fish with my hand my rod tip was bent down and the fish turns and goes southeast while my rod tip's facing the other direction and the line gets wrapped around the tip so now it's about 8 inches below the rod tip and there's no yielding on Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. 
the line. It's all tension. So uh, eventually this snakehead breaks the line. And he's just sitting there in like 10 inches deep of water, exhausted. So I run up to him and try to grab him. And he moves a little bit. And um, I kick the bejesus out of this fish in the head. I pretended that fish's head was a soccer ball. And I was going for a penalty kick. And I kicked the crap out of this fish. And I stunned it. But remember, from my previous podcast, their heads are solid bone. So it swam a little bit more, and I kicked the crap out of it one more time because I was not letting this fish go. So now I've got this stunned fish, and I just reach into the water and just bear hug the thing, pull it out, soaking wet, and just bring it up to shore. And I'm screaming, oh, my God, this took me a freaking year to catch one of these. I'm so excited. This is like the catch of my life right now. I get that thing up onto dry land, and I just drop it onto the paved sidewalk. And all these tourists are gathering around, just like freaking out, like, oh my god, that's from River Monsters, and holy crap, that fish is huge. And, you know, the tidal basin is, uh, you get people from all over. I've put rods in people's hands from Guyana, from Palestine, Kansas, Florida, you name it. Tourists walk by and they want to throw a line. Um, if they're old enough or young enough, don't need a license, I'll let them fish with my gear. See, it's a pretty diverse area. So all these tourists are walking by and just start freaking out. Um, we start photographing the fish. We finish the filming. Take out my tape measure. The fish measures 34 inches from its nose to the tail. Um, the line's cut, so this fish is just stuck on land. So I go through the spiel of you know the snakehead survivability on land, the predatory instincts, uh, basically explain the fish to these people because they're like, you know, I saw that on TV. These things can walk on land. They eat your dogs. Is it going to eat my husband? So I had to debunk all of that. We're just photographing it. And the weird thing is, this fish was not even secreting slime. It was dry the whole time. Um, so we get, you know, 10, 15 photographs. I give them my phone, my S digital SLR, video camera. We get the whole shebang. And then I'm just sitting there just waiting for all these crowds to leave so I can kill the thing. Now, remember, the last time I caught one, um, or I should say my friend Andrew caught one, he cut the head off for me, and I put it on the bushes outside my house so the flies and, and beetles could eat it um, down to the bone. I could see what the skull looks like. Why is the head solid bone? So I'm going to wait, and the only knife I've got is my leather man. So I'm waiting for all these tourists to walk by, and it's, you know, like Thursday afternoon. It's like... 75 degrees, it's beautiful. There are tourists everywhere. So every time a group walks by, you know, have you caught anything today? They see my fishing gear. I point down because the snakehead is blackish and it blends in with the sidewalk. So I kind of give it a nudge of my foot and it flops around and everyone starts screaming and freaking out, you know, like adults to teenagers to little kids. And they all come over. And at one point, I've got a group from Florida and they must have been like 20 or 30 kids. And they're like, open its mouth. So I take out my spring-loaded pliers, and with all my strength, it took me to open this freaking animal's mouth to show them the teeth. And I'm showing them the scales. I'm knocking on its head, showing them the strong bone structure. And the whole time, they're chanting, kill it, kill it. I'm like, kids, I'm not going to kill a fish in front of you. It's a little gory. So, um, you know, after, I mean, it took an hour between the time I landed this fish and I finally got a chance to cut its head off. Um, there was a group of uh, Eastern Mennonites from northern, northern Indiana that walked by and photographed the fish and me. And uh, they just happened to have an extra shopping bag made out of plastic. 
So um, they gave me the plastic bags. I said, I, I really need something to put the head in. I take out the leather man, and uh, it's pretty hard for me to, to take the life of an animal, especially something I'm not even going to eat because I don't eat fish. If there was someone there, I would have given them the fish. I offered the fish to people, but no one wanted it because these are all people that are in hotels for the week. Um, take out the leather man, and uh, as the fish was alive, I didn't bash its head in with the bat because I wanted the skull structure. So uh, I start cutting away, and it starts bleeding, and it's it's creeping me out. You know, this is like the seventh or eighth one I've seen killed this year, so I'm a little used to the blood, the gore. Um, the head is pretty much severed. I'm working on the backbone, and the thing is still flopping around. And uh, you know, I put it in the water, get some of the blood out, let it just drain, fish a little bit longer. Um, eventually, I just kind of sucked it up and just gored through that spinal column and cut the head off, just let the, all the blood drain, put it in the Ziploc bag or plastic bag, whatever it was, and after like an hour and 20 minutes, I finally start walking back to my car. And this head probably itself weighed three, four pounds, it, like 12 inches long from the rear section of the pectoral fins to the snout. I mean, it, and it was as big as a football this fish was freaking huge, mind you. 34 inches of solid muscle. So, um, what did I do with the bag? I think I double bagged it in the back of my car. And I drove home and I took a shoelace from a pair of hiking boots. I got a bunch of spares from my beer can lanyards. And I strung it up and tied it to a pine tree in the golf course between our condo and the actual golf course. And I'm like, great, this will be awesome, whatever took it last time is not getting it now and uh, tied it up and, and left it about three feet off the ground come back start uploading the pictures emailing it to friends Joe in New York Tom in Colorado um, just I'm like in cloud nine I'm freaking out you know this took me a freaking year to catch so and it was not an easy catch uh, go to bed wake up in the morning walking Dr. Jones my schnauzer and uh I don't see the head hanging from the tree. I get up there, and that shoelace has been severed. Whatever severed it made off with the head. So uh, that's two for two heads I've lost. And went to Bass Pro Shops last week and got a mesh, wiry, live well basket that I figure I can carabiner to a tree. And uh, whatever's been eating my snakehead heads, the next time I catch one is going to not be able to get it. So um, I got the video, I got the pictures. Um, uploaded them to YouTube, and uh, I've gotten some notoriety. Um, the guys from the Tidal Potomac Fly Rodders, they saw it on orvisnews.com. Um, I submitted the, a little article to Phil Monahan. Never knew it was going to go live until I got a, you know, a tweet yesterday. Um, this is Fly, Digital Fly Fishing Magazine, had the video up yesterday. And granted, it's not an HD camera, so the video is pretty crappy. Um, but yeah, you know, I got my snakehead. It's 34 inches. I photographed it. Uh, the fly was legit in the lower right of the jaw. Didn't foul hook the thing. And uh, you know, every time someone down at the tidal basin now is like, what would you catch in here? I can show them that picture rather than showing them, you know, pictures of a, a two pound bass I pulled out last year. And then people ask, you know, you ever catch a snakehead? I don't have to show them Trent Jones's picture anymore. I can show them mine. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty stoked. And uh, if you've been following the podcast for the last year or so, 
and you follow my trials and tribulations of trying to catch one and going out to state biologists and seeing pitchforks and, and scoop netters and cast netters getting them and I finally got my chance um, I'm still going to kind of consider it a fluke incident until I can get one more on the fly rod uh, figure out what it is they want it for my fly box then I'll consider it um, I don't know something I figured out how to do and um, trying to f- turn my guiding business into a destination fly fisher in the Potomac River for snakeheads and that's about it I've got to get up in two hours to uh, burp and change the baby so I'm going to go to bed uh, thank you for downloading this podcast I wish I had a little more energy and could be a little more loud give some more enthusiasm but like I said uh, everyone's asleep including Dr. Jones right next to me he's not really adjusting to the babies too well so um, yeah if you want to see pictures uh, robsnowwhite.com you can go to my blog, which is flyfishingconsultant.blogspot.com. You can always follow me at Rob Snowy on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, thanks for downloading. Um, got a couple of the podcasts I want to do. Uh, I'm going to do one on road trips. And had another one. Yeah, my note has a little messy right here. But, yeah, stay tuned. Thanks for downloading. Four in the morning. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky. One of the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, a mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.